four, three. Fuck it. There's no, there's no words That's on tomorrow. it. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Because I've never seen that. Fucking thing sucks. There's no words there. Fuck it. There's no, there's no words That's on tomorrow. it. this afternoon I'm all out of sorts the original way we normally do this did not want to work today so we had to revert to the old way which is a little bit glitchy I see a bit of a flicker and shit on the screen so I apologize there's not a whole lot I can do but uh, yeah hang out with us and uh, hopefully this straightens itself out just a little bit but uh, what's new something's fucking not working with IG and shit but uh, it's all good um, welcome 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 Alright, so if you're here early, you already know what we're going to do. Um, free shit. Free shit. So let's go right there on your screen. Made it smaller this week for the IG fuckers. Should be able to see it. Um, but uh, yeah. What do we give it away first? Grape cobbler. Can't really read that, I'm sure. Grape Cobbler, 12-pack. Uh, how are you going to win this? How about the fifth person to write at that email in the subject line? Uh, Nico. Nico, N-I-C-O. Nico. Nico, then that you shall win these, these seeds. So who the fuck are we talking to today? We're talking to uh, Nico from High Times. Uh, I've known this dude for a really long time. He's done a lot of stuff at High Times, but most notably probably he's the guy that kind of He's one part of the cog that works on these cups and makes them happen. So I kind of wanted to talk to him a little bit about that, uh, dig into that just a bit. But uh, we'll give away another pack here real quick. Before uh, I get uh, too far along, I want to call out everybody sucked last week on your UFC picks. Uh, one single person got it right. I think there was probably, I don't know, upwards of 50 guesses uh, from people in there, and not one person got the three combo right. So we'll try it again this week. There's another way to win, that email right below me right there. If you want to try to make your three picks, you can possibly snag a free pack. I'm going to turn you all into de degenerate gamblers at no risk to yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. Next pack. can't read the email. It's too 
It's too small for all you fuckers. All right, well then. That's not my fault. Actually, it is. I can fix it. I should be able to fix it. No, we don't see it on IG. It's a little bit bigger. Anyway, darkhorsegenetics live at gmail.com. Good luck. Uh, next pack that we're going to give away, Mississippi Mud. Uh, this one, how about you just text or text me? How about you put in the subject line, it's another 12-pack, Mississippi Mud. Uh, how about you put in the subject line on this guy, uh, Skittles is the shit. Skittles is the shit. Skittles has heavily influenced my life over the past like year and a half. I've probably smoked nothing but Skittles for like three or four months. Um, put it out commercially because I love it and have bred with it a bunch in the past year or so. So I don't know of a strain that's really like come into my life that I've really been like, yeah, I fucks with this shit. I fucks with this shit heavy and hard and often. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, yeah, with that said, let me see if I can't get... Uh, Nico to give us a ring here real quick and we'll go over some uh, high times type of shit. I'll try to pay attention to the chat so if you guys have any questions for Nico feel free to ch uh, type them in there. I can't guarantee I'll get to them but uh, I'll do my best. Uh, yeah. He's calling in now. Mr. Nico. What can, up? Can you hear me sir? I hear you, sir. How are you? Good. Welcome to the program, man. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pretty cool thing here you got going. I saw a couple episodes. Right on. Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly no veteran podcaster or whatever, but uh, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it. It's pretty cool to do this. I have a lot more <laughs> respect for podcasters now that I'm trying to do this shit because it's way trickier than I thought just to keep it going. But uh, uh, here we are, Nico from High Times. So uh, I'm just going to start right off the bat like I do everyone else. Uh, Talk to us about uh, cannabis, like the where, like where you're from, your youth a little bit, and uh, like the first time smoking weed. What what got you into cannabis? <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So so I'm one of those guys that uh, didn't smoke weed until later on in life. Um, that was a mistake. So you know, don't don't do that, kids listening at home. <laughs> smoke that shit as soon as you can. Uh, no, I, I, I grew up in Jersey. Um, that's where I am right now. Um, not far from Manhattan. So weed was everywhere. Everybody was always smoking around me. Um, I was I was just not into it, man. I just, you know, everyone's doing something and you want to be different. You know, oddly enough, like smoking weed made me the same as everyone else. So I just, I did sports and, uh, you know, kind of nerded out and, uh, it was regretful, but you know. Then I went to college, and uh, and things turned around. And uh, actually, the first time I smoked was up in New Hampshire in the White Mountains. Um, we do hiking up there quite a bit, and uh, a buddy had some. Uh, we just graduated high school. Um, we found like an old corn cob pipe from a general store at the base of like Mount Washington. Um, and if you're familiar at all out here with that area, I mean, it's rural, there's nothing up there. So it was like a blessing in disguise, you know, like we, we found this pipe, but it was literally made out of a corn cob. Um, and man, we smoked that shit every fucking night until I got high. And then, you know, uh, do you remember the, rest, the strain the by chance? Do you know what it was? Oh, uh, dude, it was swag. I mean, we, we pulled seeds out of it. Totally. 
Yeah. Totally. What I mean, about, we're talking, this is, this is, I'm old, dude. This is in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, what about uh, growing? Uh, what was your first experience, you know, growing a plant or, uh, you know, messing around with the grow at all? Yeah, so uh, that was the summer. I smoked the first time summer after high school graduation, went to college. Um, like I said, I was an athlete, so I was lucky enough to have uh, off-campus housing. I had an apartment as a freshman, and I just blew that fucking apartment up, like, day one, like, fucking homemade hydro system, like, totally ghetto, like, halogen lights in the closet, you know, stinking up a whole fucking university building with uh, weed, <laughs> and uh, and I never looked back, you know. Um, it's... Uh, it's just been a love affair. I mean, you know, you know, this being in the garden has been something that's, uh, it's been as medicinal for me as the actual, uh, product that, that we pull out of the garden. You know, it's, uh, it's just like my Zen time. It's my sanctuary. Sure. Um, that kind of leads me into high times. So, uh, I mean, this sort of seems like a dream job for most people, but how does one land a job at high times? How did you start working there? Um, yeah, it, well, first of all, it is a, it is a dream job and I was lucky to, to do that, um, for as long as I did. And, um, it, it was a stroke of luck. It was somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody. Um, I actually had been down in Mexico. I did my first big grows down there. Uh, we did some hydro warehouses in Oaxaca, um, in the early two thousands. And, um, we knew some, uh, expatriates that, you know, I'd been running reefer up from Mexico since the seventies. We went down there to uh, kind of, kind of bring them. Well, first of all, bring them good genetics, and then also introduce them to, you know, um, indoor growing, uh, greenhouse growing, hydroponics. And um, it, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world. It was a little bit rowdy, you know. Mexico is a is a rough place, um, especially where we were, sure. and um, we were young. You know, I was twenty something, but uh, that led to high times because. Um, uh, you know, friends of mine obviously knew I was down there, what I was doing. And, uh, somebody knew somebody said that they were the, uh, publisher of high times and I should talk to this guy. And I said, Oh yeah, you know, sure. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> you set that up, you know, I'll be there. <clears throat> and, um, turns out it was Rick Cusick. Uh, he's the associate publisher, was the associate publisher of high times. <clears throat> and, uh, and, um, he was her weed dealer is is what what it was he was her neighbor she lived next door to him and so she hooked me up with him and i'll never forget uh that interview uh i was as, i was you know as nervous as you could be um i didn't know what to do should i wear a suit should i bring my my homegrown you know do i have so <laughs> after much debate and discussion we went with suit no tie which, by the way, was a total mistake ever wearing a suit into high times. I'll never do that. <clears throat> and I had a, a bag of homegrown, uh, my last harvest right in my breast pocket with a couple of pre-rolls. And I got in there. Um, you know, I, I had spoken to Rick the day before. He said, yeah, you know, you sound cool. You're a young writer. You know, I could tell you like Herb. Why don't you come, come by and and talk and I said sure one's good he said eh, any day at 420 so I literally showed up um, at his door at 420 and I mean this is a long story sorry but um, long story short that's cool <laughs> long story short Rick's sitting there after a few questions he's like so so you grow weed and you're a writer and I said yeah pretty much that's that's the gist of it 
and and I said, would you like to smoke some of this weed I grew? And I pull out the bag, and then he goes, hold on. And the next thing I know, he comes back with Danny Danko, and me and Danko and Rick are standing on a balcony at High Times overlooking Park Avenue, <laughs> smoking a joint. And they're like, yeah, what do you like? What do you want to write about? I gave them like five ideas. They were like, those are those are all good. Just just do that. And that was it. I mean, that was in 2006. Do you remember your first article, what it was? I do. I do. It was uh, Electricity Basics. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was good stuff. It was good stuff. Those were good times, man. I mean, you look back at those days now, um, and, uh, you know, you don't realize how good you had it uh, because those, those days are over. Sure. It's been, yeah, it's quite a bit different now. Um, that sort of leads me over to uh, High Times' position of, uh, I guess, do you have any opinion of High Times kind of getting over to the uh, uh, cannabis sales like platform that they're going towards? Uh, uh, my, only, my only comment on that is I wish we had done that when I was there. Um, you know, uh, so I should just, you know, my, my employee there just ended recently, but it was, it was really a sham for the last three years. Um, you know, since we sold the company, I haven't really been there. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, how to put it, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's had its ups and downs, but, uh, <laughs> sure. I mean, it's just interesting. I mean, I, it makes sense for them to get into the retail cannabis field in a lot of ways, but at the same time, it's like, that's sort of as a signal of like the the dying of media or the dying of print media, if you will. And it's just well, like, you yeah. know, Jason, I, I remember I wrote an article once where I said, and it, it made it to print. You know, it was in the magazine, and they were pissed. And I basically said, High Times was now uh, an events company more than a media company. Mm -hmm. And that was probably right around 2011 or something when we moved the cups over to the states, and we were doing a whole you know whole bunch you know every other month and shit and. Uh, and they got pissed, you know. They said, what, "What? Why would you write this?" And I said, "Because it's true, you know. We, this is this is our bread maker, you know. This is how we, you know, this is how we're surviving." And um, Michael Kennedy, who uh, was the primary owner at the time and the original attorney to the founder back in '74, um, he passed away two years ago. He's a great dude, um, great attorney. Kept the magazine going all those years, and um, his dream was for high times to get into bud um it's actually he and i made a deal we had uh i was starting a genetics company he wanted a piece of it i said well give me a piece of the magazine and we did a kind of a swap i i feel bad i think i made out a lot better on, the, mm -hmm. on that deal um than he did and uh he passed away two years ago but this was his dream and uh i'm happy to see high times getting into it um i, I think we should have a long time ago so almost i wonder if it's too late you know what i mean yeah. um I, I hope that they can pull it off you know i know that you know there's fed ups and downs over there and um it's not easy you know these these kinds of deals the mergers and acquisitions and stuff and and the way the industry has turned out uh these days i don't think is quite how you know all of us ogs would have hoped um but you got that's what happens you know capitalistic society you got big big time money investors wall street dudes coming in um, you know, these people don't fuck around with business. <laughs> they, uh, it, it does. It changes things. They're not weed people. Okay. And, you know, I hate that. And everyone knows about corporate cannabis and, and beware and everything, but it's the reality. Uh, 
you know, now uh, of our industry. Uh, it's where we're at. And um, I'll, I'll tell you, the fucking, <laughs> the fucking hippies up in NorCal, that first time when they voted down legalization, um, they said this is what was going to happen, you know. Yep. And, then, and then they did it the second time, and, and it finally passed. But uh, now, we're, now we're seeing it, so. Sure, absolutely. So I kind of want to shift a little bit over to just cannabis cups in general because um, I know you had a lot to do with them, and you're kind of instrumental once they kind of came over to the States or whatever. But what was your first cup? Um, that you ever did for high times you remember the first cup that i went to yeah the first cup that i ran um the first cup that i went to um was in amsterdam it was before we had any in the states and uh and and it and i i was it was my second year maybe at high time so i wasn't invited to the first one it, like it wasn't an automatic thing it wasn't that big at the i mean it was big but if 5,000 people showed up in Amsterdam, that was a big cannabis cup, you know, sure. so the whole, the whole staff didn't go. Um, I wasn't invited my first year, which was fine. I was invited my second year. And, um, it, you know, I mean, by that time I was already fucking 30 years old or something that, you know, so it was my first time in Amsterdam, believe it or not. And I had a great time, but I, I kind of fucked up because we got back to New York and we had a big roundtable discussion, and they, and they go around the table, and they ask everybody what their impressions were and what we could do better for next time and all this. And it was mostly like a time to blow sunshine up everyone's ass and pat yourself on the back. And I fucking, like a naive you know, youngster, uh, sat there and said, well, I was appalled at the competition and the judging, and how could you possibly think that this is okay? Your high times and the way you judged the weed was insane. You didn't, you know. I just sit there and I fucking rip the shit out of it, right? And uh, and then I wasn't asked to go back to to Amsterdam for a couple more years after that. Nico got left off the fucking roster, but uh, no, it was wrong of me to be like that. And I was just you know gung ho about it, and I, I was passionate about it. I still am. Sure. And. And not to knock it, you know, but it, it started a long, long time ago. You know, it's, it started in um, in the late 80s. Um, Steve Hager, got, you know, he, he started it, he founded it, and it was a genius idea. Um, and back then it was awesome. But it was it was literally, uh, you know, Neville and Ben Dronkers mm -hmm. and fucking Dave Watson, Sam the Skunk Man. I mean, uh, Rob Connell Clark. I mean, like the mm -hmm. legends of Ash. I mean, it was these yeah. guys sitting around in a room uh, it was at Thanksgiving every year, right after harvest, um, you know, and it was the Super Sativa Club. It was the Sensi Seed Bank. It was the first ever, and it's like, dude, I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about it. I mean, this, to, to a guy like me, and I'm sure like yourself as well, it was, I mean, it was legendary, you know? Um, sure. We had Dango on last week. I think he called it Fantasy Camp. It was sort of uh, like <laughs> going to Weed Fantasy Camp. Yeah, ex exactly. I mean, it was... Um, you know, you just sit there in a reverence and, and you can't believe it's very surreal. And so for me to go and then I watched the judging and it was very haphazard to, to me. And and maybe it worked, you know, 20 years before that at the first one when it was just 25 dudes in a basement, you know, at Neville's Castle and whatever. And that that's fine. And that's how they did it. And those guys no one's going to question what the, the people like that think you know they could probably just look at it take a whiff of it and tell you like mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and rate it pretty pretty accurately but what was going on when i saw it was just a bunch of people sitting in in a what they called the temple at the top of an old dutch walk up it was a beautiful spot 
and it it was very holistic. It was very comparative um, to, to what was it was next to. Um, they, it was just a tier system. Uh, literally, there were three shelves: top shelf, middle shelf, bottom shelf. They they smoked a jar, and you know went around once on a joint. If they liked it, it went on the top shelf. You know, and so <laughs> and they did this, and they knocked it out like in a in an afternoon. You know what I'm saying? Like. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just to me, I was like, "There's something wrong with this." It's uh, you're not giving it its due respect. <laughs> sure, it's quite a bit different now how it's done. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that sort of leads me to um, your involvement in them, because I think the 2010 roughly was the first time they came to America or the states, and it might have—I think it was Denver, Colorado, because I was—I had a booth there, and it was like awesome to see High Times, the thing I've been wanting to, you know, be a part of forever, come to my home city. But uh, were you a, an organizer of that first one in Denver? Um, yes, yeah. So um, when they moved it to the states, uh, Steve Hager had had uh, left High Times at that point, and they came to me and were basically like, uh, "Hey, Big Mouth, uh, <laughs> you know, you talk all that shit. Do you think you can do something here?" But my, just to clarify, you know, the Cannabis Cup is a massive event, and and what I did was the competition part of it you know what i mean so like i didn't have anything to do with the the planning of the event or the vendors or the location or you know i just my my little piece was the uh was a competition and and it wasn't just me um i think sometimes unfairly i get uh more credit than than i deserve because craig coffee was there um every step of the way and uh danko was a part of it and 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 honestly we incorporated a lot of people into it, which I'll talk about in a second. But basically, when they when they tasked me with it, I said, "Sure, um, be happy to do it." And the first the first thing was, you know, making categories for entries, getting panels of judges with a coherent set of kind of rules, you know, or parameters for judging what that would look like on a qualitative side. What you're what you're looking for in scoring um, as a patient, because these were medical cups when we started, right? And then a quantitative side, um, where you know you could measure anything that you could possibly measure, scientifically speaking, you know. So all of our cannabinoids and eventually residual solvencies and terps and and everything. And and as that technology evolved and those labs evolved, so did our system. Um, and it was it was chaos at first because we did it by hand, and it was you know, paper ballots and, you know, the algorithm for scoring had different weighted values. So literally at the judges meetings at the end, you know, you're, you're doing math and everyone's stoned. And I I mean, you know, it was, it was archaic, you know, I mean, but it was beautiful and and amazing. And I mean, let let me tell you, like the guys that came at it at our first judges, you know, Dougie from Hitman Glass, he put on Chalice, Big Dan Desai, who went on to run the Secret Cup, you know, I mean, the list goes on, you know, I mean, you, you guys, you and Caesar, um, you know, were judges, I know, and, and competitors, and, and saw it, and, and you guys probably took some pieces of that, and you built on it, and you did your, your Grand Prix, which, by the way, looked fucking awesome, by the way, and, um, you know, I mean, and that's what it's about, it, it, it was always about trying to get better, uh, not just from uh, the competition standpoint and the analysis standpoint, but trying to get better medicine, you know, and there, there was only one way to do that, which was to measure it equally across the board. Um, and so that was, that was my, my big contribution. Right. And, uh, and then, um, one day someone said, you should digitize this. 
and uh, you know it, make it make an app and, and have a database and uh, it was like yeah well yeah of course this is what we should do and high times would not uh, fund it they would not pay for it and so I said you know what I'll do it so um, I paid a, I paid a buddy forty thousand dollars and he built it no uh, shit huh. Yeah, yeah, and um, eventually I got I got reimbursed. Okay, so I want to be After clear about worked, that. Right. You sold it back <laughs> to High Times, proved your point. Like, I mean, like you should see the database that we have, Jason. I mean, um, and I, I don't know if you remember as a competitor, we'd make the competitors fill out, you know, a bit uh, a survey, two three pages, how this stuff was grown, manufactured, all that. We had all the lab results, we had all the judges' qu- qualitative notes, um, and then you correlate that all on a database that has, uh, you know. When I, when I stopped, it had over 30,000 uh, cannabis products, which at the time was definitely the largest uh, you know, database in the world. But um, I, I, don't think, I don't think they're using it right now, unfortunately. Um, so that, sure. that's it. That's interesting. I had no idea that you created a, a, like a formula and also a database for the products. Um, which is searchable. So with your database, yes. you can search straight to the highest, you know, THC this or that. Hey, see, I knew you would go there because <laughs> I was going to bring this up because what, what this database also did was it drove content. Um, and so then I was able to create the, um, the Earth's Strongest Strains or the Strongest Strains on Earth series. And um, can you hear me? Yep. Okay. And I, I looked it up today because I wanted to, to know, I wanted to sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, in 2003, you know, you know what won the strongest strain on earth was none other than the Bruce Banner number three. 13, I think, not three. Oh, you know, and I think you're right because it was a typo. Right. We put the wrong number on the phone. I don't even call. think there was THC testing <laughs> in 03, but yes, yes. In, in 13, no, yes. 13. Yes. No, that's what I mean, but it was Bruce Banner, Bruce Banner number three. Right. Yep. Like I said with Danko like, last week, changed the trajectory of my entire life when that sort of happened or whatever. When you and Danko put together and named it the, the strongest strain on earth, changed everything. But yeah. uh, we were knocked off the mountaintop, I think, in the following year by Kim Dog. That's not a, they don't do it every year. I know you're not a part of High Times anymore, but how did the strongest strain on earth thing kind of go? And is it over or do they continue to do it? Or what do you know well, about it? Well, so so Danko did. See, it was weird because Danko was already doing um, like top ten strains of the year or something. Okay, that was and that was like his thing. But then I had this database, and like you said, it was searchable, and I could figure out, you know, all kinds of things. So what is what what was the number one question everybody always asked? What's the strongest weed? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would have preferred not to to maybe do that. You know, or, or or kind of make that a little bit phrase that a little differently. But that's what it was. It was THC. And we had all the data. So then the next series became strongest strains on, on Earth. And um, it was just every year we would just take from all the cups that we did that, that previous year. And, you know, like you said, we'd sort the database and we'd see which had the, the highest THC. Now, the problem with that is that you're using different labs at, in, the, in different cities at each cup. Okay, so like the standards and the protocols for testing could be different. Sure. The machines that they test on and technology they use could be different. Um, so that is what it is, sure. you know. Um, but I really did try to keep everything, you know, as um, symmetrical or coherent, if you will, as you could, you know, for data purposes. And then, so that that's how it was started, you know. That's how that that string or that 
series came about. Now the problem is I don't believe High Times is in, is using the software currently for their competitions anymore, gotcha. which is tough. And I I did recently talk to someone there, and I had to give them another copy of the software. I, I have a joint ownership with them, so I own it, they own it. Right. But I want them to use it. I mean, yeah. Last music- time I judged, I believe, which was just recently. Um, I'm not supposed to talk about it too much, but uh, last time we judged it, we did like <laughs> a, a Google plus form or something where we were filling out online and it was much different than I think what you're talking about with your software unless they were able to extract that data and put it into the software possibly but yeah it was different yeah it was different and that that's sad so I you know they have the software now I hope they I hope they can use it um but uh what were you asking so you asked how, how that that came about that that's pretty much how that that series came about and I don't think that it exists anymore because I don't think you know they they've got that database and searchability. I'm not even sure if they're lab testing everything, um, but let me ask you something because when I looked it up, I was expecting to see Dark Horse in your name, and it wasn't there, and I felt like an ass. And it was entered by someone called Strandwise. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, that's that was kind of been the thing around Colorado for a while. Was when I first founded my first dispensary in Colorado, I called it Delta Nine Alternative Medicine, and we had the Bruce Banner there. And we had entered it into the cup in 2009, which was called High Times Caregivers Cup. It's a cup they kind of try to acknowledge, like say doesn't really exist. But we won that cup with the strain. Um, no trophies or anything or whatever with that one. But uh, the, the, yeah, the following couple of years later, I think Strainwise entered it. And then they are the one that put that THC in there. or They had recorded that THC score. But there's always this like confusion around Bruce Banner being, is it Delta Nine Lab Strain with Ed Borg over in Amsterdam or whatever, or is it, you know? And then Dark Horse comes out and he's like, we're the creator of Bruce Banner five years later or something. So it, I would say it took two, two or three years for us to convince the people in the world that we actually <laughs> were the guys that made Bruce Banner back then. We did own, or I did own Delta Nine and everything else. So yeah, the it, what's in print is generally tied to either Delta 9 or the the record for the strongest rate on earth is actually tied to a local shop here in Colorado. But yeah, it wasn't that entry wasn't done by my hand, I have to, you know, fully admit. But uh, yeah, I'm proud of those boys. They 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 did a great job with it. <laughs> yeah. But you created it, no? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. that's your, Yeah. And um, did I have it right in that write up? Was it the um, was it an OG and um and a strawberry cough? Uh, strawberry, strawberry diesel, diesel, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Everything else was right about it. I have the I have the strongest strains cover framed in my house. It's one of the few things I have framed that I'm proud of, like weed related or everything else. That fucker's in the, like the entryway. If you walk in the door, you got to walk straight smack dab into my strongest strain on earth thing or whatever. So I'm not uh, I'm not afraid to I'm not bashful. I show you that fucker right off the bat. Nice. And I would say, you know, I have, I have pretty much every high times issue, and I was to, they're not organized very well. So I was gonna pull it out. For you today, <laughs> nice. Uh, but I, I didn't have, I couldn't, you know, I didn't have the time, and also sure. then I was like, fuck, he might, this might, you know, he might not want to talk about this. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Yeah, I'm not so sure who the cover is. I'm not. I don't think the cover even is Bruce Banner, but it, it that's doesn't really fucking matter to that's me at all. Possible, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so in the theme of cups or whatever, I kind of want to ask for um, a potential. I guess we'll start here. Give us a play-by-play of sort of how it works. I know things change a little bit all the time, but at least when you were in charge. How did the competition work? Like, like if I'm an if I'm a nugget or I'm an entry, what happens to me during the life of my my uh, my uh, entry or whatever? So I, I drop it off to you. What happens to my cannabis? And 
during the course of this question, if you could possibly throw in some do's and don'ts or some no-nos and some stuff that's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, you know, this is a smart and that's really fucking stupid. Right on, right on. Yeah, I see. You're mining for some tips here, I think. Yeah, we right? got some viewers that probably want to enter some cups. So, And you've certainly been around quite a few of them. So what would you, any tips for these guys? Um, I, well, I, I love how you put that, the day in the life of a nug. That's an interesting uh an interesting perspective and way to take on it. But uh, yeah, so, you know, this was always the problem is that it started two weeks out, okay? And, and I could have used even more lead time, really. I, I could have used the full month before before uh, the cup started. But so two weeks before the cup actually starts, we fly out to that city. We have an intake team. Um, we have to have intake in a, you know, a legitimate spot, a dispensary or a lab or something like that. Um, and we, you know, we try to, we try to give appointments and set times for people to show up, but that never worked. Everyone just shows up, um, you know, at, at the, on the last day, at the last minute. Um, and it's tough, you know, it's tough because people, some people have legitimate, you know, disasters in their life that happen or some emergency or some shit, you know, and you want to let them in and help them, but you got to draw the line. You know, I mean, we'd have people showing up the next day, you know, mm -hmm. days later crying. I mean, it was terrible. You know, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's one thing that I just, I don't know how you get around unless you have like a rolling open registration, like all year round. So like for you, if you're just doing one a year, that's awesome. Because honestly, you could take entries all year round if you want, sitting, you know, in Colorado, wherever you are. I mean, obviously, like, you can't take bud nine months before you want it fresh. But, you know, there's some things maybe you could take, maybe certain edibles or something, have a shelf life. And then, like, you could certainly be doing your intake for, you know, two months out, sure. you know, before the date and make that process a lot easier on people. Um, but, you know, keep in mind also, we're, we're a bunch of... Uh, journalists slash growers slash stoners coming flying into your city from new york okay where it is we don't have any medical nothing for most of the time it's like basically totally illegal here for most of our, our tenure you know so we're kind of like paranoid freakazoids anyway landing in you know hippie california or no one gives a fuck colorado and you know it, it's a it's a weird dynamic <laughs> you know <laughs> to deal with all this shit and also be navigating the regulatory and compliance you know issues or you know law for for that state um so then you know you do your you do your intake you run that for two days maybe three days if you can spare it <clears throat> and then you start the breakdown the bag and tag so you know we had when i when i ended um when, when I, my last cup we were up to i think 14 categories product categories um and then we would try to run between six and ten judges per category you know so you're running you know a hundred judges right. you know on average um so you have to make a hundred kits um everything was blind right so when i did it i wouldn't allow any packaging um we changed that eventually for edibles um, because the packaging was essential to using an edible medicinally and responsibly. Um, so, you know, that we were constantly tweaking the process. We were constantly tweaking the algorithm for each product for the competition. So going back into, into the app, you know, and on the back end, changing scales, adding categories and the point value, you know, you're always trying to total it for a hundred so that everything can be comparable across the board. Um, you know, and then what percentage do you give to the judges? What percentage do you give to the labs? That was always, always changing all those weighted values. Um, you know, not, I shouldn't say always changing, but it changed when it was warranted, you know, which during those years, a lot of, we were just learning about this shit, you know, I mean, 
people didn't even understand dosing of edibles, you know, in 2012, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. I mean, you know, people were making candy bars with 5,000 milligrams of shit, you know what I mean? It was like, it's just insane. Um, <laughs> I mean, remember that cheap and chew guy? Like, you know, <laughs> the decadose? I mean, yep. what, like, are you, come on, dude. <laughs> people were dropping out in the 2010 cup and I'm just falling not, out all over the place. Insane. I remember about, like one of the first cups where we were allowing dabbing and this guy's just dabbing people that take two steps away from his booth and fall over. You know, we're like, listen, man, you can't, you just, you can't just give anybody a dab, you know? And he was like, fuck you. It's their right, man. You're high times. You know, it's like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, anyway, so. Sure. Okay. Intake, bag and tag, break it down. Then the judges have to report. Um, That's a whole nother rigmarole. You try to give them times to report because keep in mind, you're in someone else's space. You're in a, you know, a lab or or a dispensary. Um, so you have people coming in, you have to make sure they have medical cards and that they're, they're patients and they're legal to, to walk out of this place with this huge box <laughs> of fucking weed that you're giving them for free. Um, I mean, it, it was, it, it was insane, you know, because we tried our best to, to be compliant and, and follow the letter of the law, but it first, certainly there was gray areas. Um, it changed state to state. As you know, most states, you know, their, their programs are wishy-washy at best. They don't know, you know, the, the they have stupid rules because <laughs> policymakers and legislators didn't understand it. You know, so you're trying to do all this stuff, and at a certain point, you're like, it's "Stupid, fuck it, just take it." You know, yeah, <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> you know, yeah. Just get it done. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, um, and then, and then, of course, we had to save a week um, for the judges to actually judge. And I never thought that a week was enough. Um, I wanted them to have much more time. Um, I wanted to cap the categories. Um, I wanted to say I, the number was 40. I said 40, you know, someone could smoke 40 indicas in a week. I mean, it's pushing it, but these are pros and I don't need you to tell me how strong it is because I have a lab now to do that part of it. Right. So you just tell me about the effects. And, um, that was always a huge, huge conflict at high times because when I'm telling them you can only sell 40 right. entries category, I'm telling the company, to make less money limiting the amount of money to make absolutely and, yeah. and if you've ever had a boss <laughs> to say to make less money it's not just the right words and i didn't care because what the fuck did i care the ad guys were selling it and making commissions on it so i'm not making another fucking dime and i'm busting my ass sure and i'm most of the time made out to be the villain you know for enforcing these rules and being a hard ass um I get it. That makes perfect sense to me where you're trying to keep the contest pure, but at the same time, they're trying to sell it as a product. So there's, there's conflict there all the time. You know what I mean? Um, uh, let me ask you this. So how early did you know when I would bump into you at cannabis cups or whatever, did you know all the winners before, or were you tabulating that and figuring that out like moments before you guys went up on stage or were you walking around all the booths and you already knew who the winners were and had to try to keep a poker face? I would stay up all night the night before the award show so saturday night usually um and because i had it, it was tough with the lab stuff because the labs also were tested you know they had to test everything in like four days or five days to get me the results so i could put it into the system so the system could you know score everything and tabulate all the sure. all the data um and it was a da- it was a mad scramble every fucking time i hated it <laughs> um, even now thinking about it i'm getting like stressed out and shit I'm- fucking do a shot or take a bong hit now so (laughs) no but like i would be up all night and you have to get the data into a format that you know like so i had to get it into a 
uh, .cv file and I had to format it and then I had to upload it. Then I had to go back and I had to check that, you know, there were no mistakes. I had to double check it with a hard copy. I mean, dude, it's <laughs> fucking hours, hours and hours. Yeah, a lot of pressure. So no, when you saw me on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I didn't know. If you saw me Sunday morning, you knew. Then, then yeah. I knew. Gotcha. Um, what was, I, yeah. I was going to say this is a little bit more lighthearted, but what was the craziest thing you ever saw anyone do when they won? Because you probably were present for almost all of these trophy presentations. Um, I've seen quite a few. So a lot of guys get emotional and other things. But you've seen what's the craziest shit you've ever seen when somebody won? The craziest was there was this fucking idiot, and I don't, I'm not going to say his name or his company, but he was on fucking acid, <laughs> and we were in Jamaica, and um, and and actually the stage was on the beach, so he quickly ended up in the ocean, thank God, and got the fuck off of our stage. Um, but I don't know what he was doing on the stage at the time. He was a combination of gyrating and breakdancing and flopping around like a fish i don't know maybe he saw god or something i it but he, he was totally gone i don't even know how he got on the stage um that was pretty hilarious <laughs> i think the best um the best thing i ever saw on the stage was probably early early days in amsterdam milo um before he was big buddha and there was buddha seeds um right when he brought the cheese from the uk mm-hmm. um and he got up there, and no one knew who he was. Um, you know, he just was was some bloke from the UK, and uh, and he just gave this speech that I think would be kind of akin to what I would say or you would say, or somebody who's really dedicated their life to the plant and understands breeding and and, and the history of all of that and the lineages and and all of that. And he. Um, he just broke down. He could barely finish his speech. He was crying. And I remember when we got back to New York, people were talking about it, and some people were laughing about it. And uh, and I just <laughs> I said, I said, that was fucking awesome. Oh, I said, passion, that was, right. I said, I said, all that makes me want to do is win a cannabis cup, yeah. like me. And then Steve Hager looked at me. He's like, well, that ain't ever going to happen. <laughs> you can't now, now that you don't work there. Well, I guess you still have a little equity or whatever. So maybe not. Think, maybe not. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it'd be good. You if know I, they would cry foul if you won. Oh, <laughs> I'd be strung up, dude. Word. This flew by so fucking fast, man. I think we're going to have absolutely have to run this back and do this again. But uh, this, was, this was really awesome. Uh, on the way out, I want to ask you... Uh, Anything you want to plug, or do you want to talk about uh, your new ventures? You mentioned something to me about CGI and CHM. Do you have uh, what, tell us what you got going on? That what's what's new for you? Uh, yes, uh, so CGI, that's the um, the Cannabis Genetics Institute um, that I founded with uh, Harry Resin. Uh, so Ed Borg's old partner at Delta Nine Labs. You, you know Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think last time I saw you, I think I was with Harry. Probably in, yeah. Somewhere. Uh, who knows where, but, um, yeah, that's our little thing. We founded that in Holland, um, a few years back and it's really just an R and D thing. Um, I'd like to get it going more and get more people involved in it. It it started almost like as a genetics preserve. Um, but it, you know, people don't really want to just give you their genetics to preserve. It turns out, I don't know why, but people are protective of that stuff. Sure. Right. <laughs> Imagine that. Maybe that, maybe that was the best idea. Um, but no, basically we, we provide like building blocks. Um, so like we're trying to bring it back to land race genetics and provide building blocks for people to, to breed their own. And that's led to just, you know, 
what I do mostly now is just consulting mostly on um, the horticultural and, and on the genetic side. Um, and that's going, we have our medical gardens out in the Bay. Um, so I haven't been there in a while, obviously. And then, uh, yeah, chemistry is, um, something that was founded by a bunch of my buddies from the hydroponic industry. It's, uh, it's an investment vehicle for the industry. Um, it's a publicly traded company now on the Canadian stock exchange. And, uh, so I do business development for them and we're just trying to, um, to grab licenses in, in different states and and build up those businesses um, and help those owners try to uh, get a foothold in those marketplaces. So um, I think it's a worthwhile endeavor. It's like a mo- it's like we single out mom and pops um, who are having trouble competing. You know, sure. um, we have a market cap of about fifty million. Um, so we had some liquidity to play with um, and just help people. Uh, Good people stay on their feet, you know. Absolutely, we, always... we need that because there's mega, mega money coming in trying to smash everybody, and that's just going to destroy weed or destroy cannabis. You know what I mean? It's kind of already happening. So hold on to the good ones. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Beautiful. Uh, what any social media or websites or any books or DVDs or anything you want to plug at all? Yeah, you know, I, I, I do have a DVD. I think it's pirated on YouTube. Just check it out. <sighs> Just check her out. <laughs> yeah, I don't get any money on that. So, you know, <laughs> Fuck it. Have this shit for free. Uh, no, but you know, you guys all know how to find me on uh, on the social media stuff. I'm not big on that stuff, but I check it once in a while. Um, you could always get me Nico at HighTimes.com. And yeah, you know, be good, everybody. Thanks for listening and supporting these good dudes at Dark Horse. And to you, Jason, and to, to Caesar, quick shout out to Caesar. Caesar's um, over here. Setting it up. What up, Caesar? He's a homie. He's an OG, obviously, from from uh, high times in New York City back in the day. Um, it's always good to see to see the homies. Uh, shout out to Caesar. Yeah. So, and I'd love to join you guys, you know, and, uh, yeah, hundred K Grand Prix, uh, we'll get you out there, dude. And you got the world of experience. So I'm down to pick your brain and try to make this thing better in any way, shape or form. So yeah, absolutely, yeah I'm, I'm whatever you need, um, reach out and, uh, hopefully the pandemic uh, allows us to get together or else we'll just do it like this. We'll just have a competition. <laughs> One way <laughs> or another, I'll figure it fucking out. <laughs> right on Nico. I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this. All right. Be good, guys. Take care. Absolutely. Take care, man. All right, everybody. That was Nico. Really cool of him to do that. I appreciate him coming on and, you know, telling us some of what it's like behind the scenes. It's it's some of these high times cups or whatever. But, uh, yeah. Um, Another thing I wanted to bring up real quick before we get off. Um, We had a passing again. There's 2020 has been a motherfucker. A lot of people are going. But uh, unfortunately, I want to bring this one up real quick. Uh, Josie passed, uh, creator of GG4. Um, So, yeah, I'll just give Josie a brief moment of silence. Uh, Rest in peace, Josie Wales. All right, old Josie. So... uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure the details. The news just broke this week that Josie passed, but uh, I have a history with Josie. We go, you know, back a little ways on some projects or whatever. We didn't always see eye to eye and everything, and me and him weren't always the best of buddies, but I do uh, wish him and his family well. And, um, yeah, rest in peace, Josie. Uh, GG4 will, shall live on. I'm quite certain of that. 
Uh, yeah. So how about one more pack before we sign this fucker off and get out of here? Uh, what do we say? Symbiote? Let's see if I... Symbiote. Symbiote. Close-up cam. This is some seeds. There you go. Uh, yeah. If you want to win them shits, uh, darkhorsegeneticslive at gmail.com. Can't really read that, but it's on top of your screen. Right there. I'm moving it around and stuff. Uh, yeah. How about the um, fifth person to write... Uh, how about Josie Wales? Fifth person to write Josie Wales into the subject line of the email. She'll win the symbiote. And uh, yeah, best of luck, folks. Sweet. So... That's pretty much going to wrap her up for us, guys. Uh, as I mentioned before, there's another chance to win shit in the old ticker on the bottom line. If you didn't catch it before, uh, make your picks on some fights. And uh, maybe you'll win. No one last week got the fights. So I didn't think it would be that hard. But then again, last fights, last week's fights were, I don't know. I didn't do so well either on my picks. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, yeah, everybody, appreciate it. Thanks for, again to Nico for coming on. Again, I... Could have probably talked to him for hours, so we might have to run that one back a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I figured we'd go through a whole host of people that I kind of know or can get access to and introduce them to you, and then we'll start going round two and three and get more information out of these guys. So I'll just keep digging into the Rolodex and see who else we can, we can bring on this sucker. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. And with that, uh, I'm going to sign this fucker off. Same bat time, same bat channel next week. Peace.